0: let's go to the Lord in prayer our precious Heavenly Father you are the Lord God the Lord Almighty you have set creation in place you sustain it by the power of your hand you are the King of all Father we come at this time to listen to your word We ask that you would open our hearts and minds, that we may receive what you have given. And we thank you, and may you be our all in all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a quick note, about 49 years ago is when Sue and I started singing together. We were in a college group at First Baptist Atlanta, she was an alto, I was a baritone, and we got paired together and it stuck. So this January we celebrate 47 years and we don't get to sing together as much as we'd like to, but uh, we thank you for the opportunity to do that this morning. We are in uh, Isaiah chapter seven. Starting at verse 12, but before we get to that, I want to give you kind of a backstory. This is regarding King Ahaz, who was king of Judah. And if you recall that after Solomon was king, the nation split, the nation of Israel split into two parts and interestingly enough, over taxes one of, was one of the big reasons. Who could figure? There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom took the name Israel, which adds to our confusion because sometimes Israel is the whole country, sometimes it's the northern kingdom. At this time, it's referring to the northern kingdom, and Judah was the southern kingdom. And so we're at this place, Ahaz is the king of Judah, And he's got some armies coming against him. Ahaz was not a God-fearing king. He did not honor God. He did not follow God. And uh, these people are coming up against him. These kings of Syria is what we would call it now, Aram, with this capital city of Damascus. And so God sends Isaiah to Ahaz to give him a word. And Isaiah comes to Ahaz, and he says, ask the Lord for a sign. God wanted to give him a word. Even though he wasn't following God, even though he wasn't honoring God, God was still working to take care of his people, to watch over the people that he loved. Ahaz pulls an attitude and says, I'm not going to ask God for a sign. I'm not going to put him to the test. Sounds very righteous, sounds very noble, trouble is, It was disobedient. So that's where we catch up here in verse 12, where Ahaz says, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah says, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. As I said, Ahaz sounds like he's being righteous and honorable before God and saying, I'm not going to test God. I'm not going to ask for a sign, but his righteousness is actually disobedience. God had told him to do this, and it was fueled by arrogance and wickedness. God gives him a sign anyway, and it's a two-part prophecy. First, God tells Ahaz that the king's coming against him won't last long. That's what he wants him to know. And indeed, some years later, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria moved in and conquered the area, and Syria specifically, or Aram, as in our passage Judah, too, was eventually conquered and carried off to Babylon. All of them went into exile. God was ready to protect his people. He desired that they show faith. Whenever his people are in trouble, God looks to see, are they going to obey? Are they going to listen? Are they going to follow? He wants to help, but Ahaz refused his help. In his response, God gives a far-reaching prophecy. God does this, and it makes it challenging to read Scripture sometimes because it has many depths. And God, of course, is seeing the span of time. And while we are concerned with right now, God is concerned with the big picture, the ultimate picture. And so much of what he says is in that vein God knew long ago that man was going to need a savior. He planned on sending Jesus. God mixes in prophecy of Jesus' coming in verse 14 when he tells us that a young virgin, or a virgin, which at the time just meant a young girl who hadn't known a man, will bear a child and the child's name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. The reference to curds and honey was a normal diet for a boy in that area and that time. And it's something they would eat after they were weaned from their mother. And so God has given a time frame for how long it will take for this oppression to come through Assyria and how long Judah would be under attack. We see in this passage God reaching out to those who are listening. Throughout scripture, one of the things you can see is who's listening to God. I believe when Abraham responded to God and and left his home and went to the land of Canaan that God said, I'll show you, that God was calling out, broadcasting, if you will. But it was Abraham who was sensitive and responded to God's call. And so God is seeing if his call is answered, and then he will act on that person's behalf to protect them and prosper them. God always knew Jesus would need to come. This account we've read today occurred about 730 years before Jesus' birth. 730 years. Not long after this, at the end of the book of Malachi, is what we call... The silent period between the Old and New Testament for 400 years. There was no word of God given. This is 730 years. In 2 Samuel 7:12 is another occurrence where God prophesied. This happened about 1000 BC, talking to the to David. David was contemplating things. And God comes to him in verse 12, says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him, punish him with the rod of men and with floggings indicted by, inflicted by men. Again, a mixture of prophecy here, but if you remember, Jesus came from the line of David and David's seed did sit as the Messiah of Israel. At first he came as a suffering servant. One day he comes as the conquering Messiah. But that's not the first prophecy. If you go back to Genesis 3.15, the occasion is that Eve has succumbed to to Satan's ploy to eat the fruit of the tree of good knowledge, and, and Adam went along with him and there in verse 15 Jesus is getting on to the serpent and to Adam and Eve and God says and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours you will he will crush your head and you will strike his heel and this is a prophecy some that occurred some five six thousand years before Moses wrote about it later of course he wasn't there at the time talking about the struggle between Jesus and Satan and how Jesus was going to strike on the head of Satan would strike blows against Satan but that Satan would be there nipping at his heels so to speak until again that final day when all things are set right prophecy but that's not the oldest one there's others that happened long before that the apostle paul refers to them in romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 to be and to exact that a gospel account revealed to mankind before the dawn of time let's read those words romans 1 18 through 20 The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This is where it gets key. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Our God is a just God. He doesn't let anybody go to hell without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They choose that path. God has made everything available for them to not go, to be with him in heaven, to have eternal life, to have the abundant life. What more could he do than send his son to die on the cross for their sins? But yet God gives us that liberty of choosing it. But no one stands innocent before God. God has made the word plain to them, and that's what Paul's talking about here. But how did God do that? From the time of Adam up until the time of Moses, some 2,500 years, there was no written account. There were no scribes. There were no people chosen to move the story along. There was some word of mouth, of course. But God says, and God is true, that he made it plain to them. So what did God do? He wrote his gospel in the stars. God set his gospel in a sign in the stars. And so when you think about mankind, and maybe you've had that opportunity in camping out, or maybe you've traveled out west or someplace else where we didn't have the light pollution of the east, and you gazed up and you could see the millions and millions upon stars. Think about being a primitive man, had nothing else to do at night but look up, You had no books to read. You had no TV to watch. You didn't have your cell phone to play on. All you had was the night and the sky. And so God used that as a canvas. And he put his gospel in the stars. There are 12 sets of signs. And each sign has a constellation. And I've got a map here I want to throw up for you that you can see. This is the northern sky in the spring to show some of the constellations. And if you'll look, right here is a real critical one. Virgo, stands for virgin. Coma, Berenices, Butez, and others here, of course, Leo. This here, Hydra, is the serpent. Over here we have Libra, which is the scales god established these constellations at the beginning of time when he set the stars in place to tell his story the story like everything has been corrupted by satan especially during the grecian and roman times they renamed some of the constellations they gave them new myths associated with them new stories And so today we have the zodiac, the astrological charts, uh, the horoscopes. All of that is a corruption of God's gospel, God's message in the star. The message in the stars is is a never-ending cycle of the story. There's 12 signs, as I said, and under each sign are three constellations, and each one tells a part of the story especially with it being Christmas especially with what we're talking about in our scripture we're going to start with Virgo the Virgin the picture of Mary we would come to know here uh, need that back up please with uh, you can kind of see ahead and make it out of course they had some some imagination to, to see the pictures Here, during spring, is where Jupiter would lay, right there in in Virgo, and that represents the Virgin, the Virgin Mary. The study of the Gospel of Stars is really detailed. You can imagine it goes into the specific stars that were there, the magnitude, what each name means. But there are three constellations, I told you, within each sign, Virgo being a sign, and one of them is this Coma Berenices. And if you can imagine there, that is representing a child sitting on a mother's lap. Jesus Christ as a young boy, the story goes there. Then there is another one that is not in this reference, called centaur centaur is a half man half horse and it was despised for being a mix of creatures jesus was despised and rejected by men the third one of this sign is Butez up here Butez is the coming ruler at the end of times when jesus comes back arrows in hand setting things right. And so we have the story of Jesus Christ through those three signs of the constellation and Mary. If you go to the next picture there, Drew. In 1865, a man, whose uh, name escapes me now, made this artist's depiction of Virgo. And it shows us, makes it easier for us to see of course here's virgin mary but if you'll notice she's holding a branch and down here too jesus is referred to as the branch of jesse jesus says i am the vine and you are the branches of the vine regularly he's referred to he is the bread of life these stalks here And so this was seen and presented by God, it's believed, to tell the ancient man about Jesus Christ in the gospel story. And it goes through, and as they had time to contemplate, and as God could work in their minds and hearts, he could reveal the story to them and help them know. Satan has, like I said, tried to corrupt this this gospel in the stars, but God's story stands. What does he say? The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. God told the story in the stars, and so from time immemorial, God has been shown mankind what they needed to do to be saved and what the whole story of history would be. As you go through all of the signs, it goes through and it talks about Drago the dragon that swept a third of the stars from the sky. It talks about all the conquests. The whole picture is there. There are books available. I have one you can purchase to read the story if it interests you. Well, what is the point of this? It's fascinating thinking about the story being in the stars, and it's a little different looking at them now because the earth is tilted. There is one star in the summer set of stars, constellation called the Southern Cross. It can only be seen at like the bottom, the tip of South Africa in that area. It, the earth is tilted and it's below the horizon even then. But there's a cross all through the stars, and it's fascinating that God would use his stars, would paint his story in the skies, but it makes sense because God is just and he only holds people accountable for the amount of light they've received. And so as Paul wrote in Romans that they are without excuse because God has revealed himself to them, this is one way that he's done that. And so the point of this is that from the earliest moments of our history, at the very dawn of creation, God set in place signs for us to see. Signs that would tell us of our need for him in our life and how we can have God in our life. Thousands of years ago, millennia upon millennia, God was thinking about you. Thinking about each one of us. And making a way for each one to be forgiven. Nothing comes as a surprise to God. He knew Adam and Eve were going to fall. He knew Jesus would need to come. He knew mankind would never be able to reach his standard. And so he, thousands of years ago, from the beginning of our time, prepared a way. He speaks to each one of us. We don't gaze up at the stars, we don't uh, sit and ponder the constellations. Maybe as a child you enjoy them or they're certainly beautiful to look at. And I had one opportunity in Central Texas many years ago out in the middle of nowhere to look up and I could see the band of the Milky Way stretching across. But God speaks to us in other ways. He speaks to us through other signs. He speaks to us through other people. He's constantly speaking, seeing who is listening. He's speaking to you today. You believe that it was your choice to come here, but God arranged and led that and made it possible for you to be here today. God gave me this message as I was contemplating. I had another one all written Tuesday to present to you. And he said, that's not the one. And he gave me this one. God wants you to hear of his love and his promises for you, his provision for you. And so he's constantly reaching out through the kindness of others. Sometimes the voice is heard in times of tragedy and difficulty calling you to look up. God came to Ahaz. He said, Ahaz, ask for a sign. I want to I tell you how you're going to be blessed. I want to tell you how this is going to resolve. Ahaz wouldn't do it. He wouldn't honor God. He wouldn't obey God. God is calling out to everyone. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful, wonderful call. And so the question comes today, do you see the signs? Do you recognize when God's working? Do you see the little things? Do you hear his calling or have ears fallen deaf? Do you know when he's reaching to lift you up or are you stubbornly refusing help? God put the gospel in the stars for you. He has given us His word, he led scribes over thousands of years to write down what he wanted us to know. He's given us beautiful songs, many messages. We have the wonders of television and computers and radio to hear his word. It's available. God is calling to each one of us. Will we receive his gift this Christmas? I did a song with the children last week in their classroom about accepting Christ and it it was teaching that receiving Christ is as easy as your ABCs. And it only takes the first three letters. You don't have to know all 26. A, admit you're a sinner and ask God to help you become a winner. B, believe that Jesus is God's son and God sent Jesus to save everyone. See, commit your life to the Lord and ask him to be your savior. Easy as A, B, C. That's all it takes in order to accept Christ as savior. And he's calling. It's an abundant life. It's easy to get this made by it it's easy to get discouraged when you look at other people who claim to know christ but they're still people people are flawed people are growing people are struggling you can't judge salvation based on the person next to you it needs to be judged on the almighty god who is perfect and loving and without shade without shadow without darkness Christian, at one time you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you may have let life lead you down one corner and round another. And sometimes you find yourself separated or feeling separated from God. You're not sure how you got to where you are and you don't really know how to find your way back. But you know what? Jesus is right where you left him. Jesus is right where he's always been. Jesus is right at the cross. And if we can find our way back to the cross, we can find our way back home, back to abundant life, back to fellowship with God. Aren't you tired of wandering? Aren't you tired of fighting on your own? in your own strength. You don't need to be saved, that's taken care of. God takes care of that. When you genuinely in your life accepted Christ as your savior, it's done. And God says, no man can pluck them from my hand. It's sure, it's sound. But sometimes we wander around those corners this is attractive to us. We go here, and that leads us there, and the next thing, we're a long ways from where we were and where we should be. That's what the prodigal son did. He said, God, our Father, give me my, my inheritance, and he went and he squandered it, and he had a lot of friends for a while, but when the money was gone, they were. And he found himself trying to eat the food out of the pig trough, and he said, you know, my servants... And my father's house have it better than I do right now. I'm going to go home to the father. And I'm going to say, father, I sinned. And I'm willing to be your servant if you'll just take me in. And so he headed back. The father must have been watching for him. He saw him coming down the road, caught a glimpse of him and he ran to meet him and the boy tried to start a speech of dad I've messed up so bad will you forgive me the father wouldn't hear it he encircled the boy with hugs and sobs filled the air and he called to the servants he says get a ring get a robe my boy has come back home when we wander that's a picture of God our father He's not waiting, ready to beat us down. He's not ready to condemn us. He's not waiting to to tell us all the things we've done wrong. He's waiting to hold us, to envelop us. We do need to acknowledge our sin. We do need to fall at his feet so that he can put the ring upon our hand and the robe on our back. It may be that you're here today. You've accepted Christ as Savior, or maybe you haven't, but you need a home, a place where your soul, where your spirit can be fed and built up. I believe Campbellsburg can be that home for you. Today is an, it was an interesting service. It, 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 it is sometimes when you have live performance. You know, there's a way for everything to go perfectly right, and that's to videotape it and what goes wrong to change it. But that's all right. We're here to glorify and worship God, and we support each other with laughter and hugs and smiles and sometimes tears. Being part of a local body is a way to be blessed, and a way to bless others. Campbellsburg Baptist Church is ready to receive you fully into the fellowship. There are people here ready to love you and to help you develop your walk in Jesus Christ. Some of you are part of us already, you're in our hearts. Won't you bless us by showing your desire to unite and become a part of the family in that way? We extend an invitation. A lot of churches quit. The invitation's important. I love getting invitations in the mail. I love getting invitations. We got one last week. Will you come eat with us? And we did and we broke bread and we had a wonderful time and a wonderful meal. Invitations are wonderful. So we extend an invitation. It's an opportunity for anyone to respond. And yes, it's awkward. Yes, it can be nervous with people seeing me and what am I going up there for and all those kind of things. But it's a source of encouragement. As you come forward and unite with us or even just pray, you've got people ready to embrace you and pray for you. And you're an encouragement to us when you come and say, I want to be part of this family so we do extend an invitation and i wait here to receive those you don't have to do it that way you can call me during the week we can talk sometimes but it is a blessing when those come we're going to sing a great song about a great day what a day that will be when my savior i will see it's talking about when jesus comes at the conquering messiah And as we sing, we ask that you come and receive the gift. Receive the gift of salvation if you haven't answered that call yet. Perhaps you're hearing that still small voice of come unto me. I'm waiting. Perhaps he's the father waiting on the prodigal son to return. You can come and me or somebody will pray with you sue will be happy to pray there are others here you can kneel at the front it's not going to be embarrassing it's going to show your dedication to god and so as julie comes prepared to lead us in this last song my urging today at this christmas time is that you receive his gift this christmas and you give him the gift of your heart